This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. United States police forces killed a record number of people in 2022. The project Mapping Police Violence, which closely tracks individuals killed by police, concluded that at least 1,176 people were killed at the hands of police last year. That number is just a preliminary count and potentially an underestimate. In comparison, police killed 1,145 people the year before. Police violence is correlated to the race of victims. Black people are nearly three times more likely to be killed at the hands of law enforcement than whites. My guest is Abdul Nasser Rad. He is a managing director of research and data at Campaign Zero. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. So first, tell me a little bit about mapping police violence. This is a project of Campaign Zero. How long has the project been uh, doing this work? And how do you track this data? I imagine it's in the absence of the federal government closely or officially tracking how many people die at the hands of police. Correct. And, and so the mapping police violence started in 2015. Uh, a number of protesters and activists following the 2014 protests came together to draw up a plan to end police violence in the U.S. Uh, mapping police violence was um, following in the footsteps of another database, Fatal Encounters, uh, which basically uses uh, news alerts to source incidents of police violence. Um, our methodology has changed significantly over the years, uh, especially this last year. Um, to just go a little bit and to give you an overview, what happens is we set up a number of automations with Google News Alerts that filters into our systems, which gets assigned to different researchers. Researchers will then review the incidents to understand whether it is an incident of police violence or a false positive news alert. The researcher will then proceed to continue to fill out information about the incident. The, once the incident is complete, it goes through a second round review, and then it gets automatically published to our platform, which then uh, gets powers our front end of the website. Um, so that's just a little bit of an overview. The way that we define an incident of police violence is any action an officer, a law enforcement officer, whether it's a sheriff, a police officer, takes that results in a killing or a into a fatal encounter of police violence. So uh, tell me about the numbers so far. I understand that right now the complete data that you have is through September of last year, but I mentioned a preliminary count, and I imagine that you're correlating with some of the other uh, projects that are out there tracking police violence? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, and information sharing is critical. Uh, the more data, the more people doing and collecting this data, the better. As you mentioned before, the federal government does not report out on this. Um, and so, you know, using the Washington Post numbers this year, uh, 2022 is 1,096, and in 2021, there's 1,048. Um, now, of course, the, the difference between the Washington Post and our database is the Washington Post only captures incidents that uh, where a police officer discharges their firearm and the individual, the victim is killed. Um, and I so see. ours includes all incidents. So this uh, would include incidents such as uh, a taser and asphyxiation. So, for example, uh, the Eric Garner case, um, uh, the man who, the, the black man, unarmed black man in New York City that was killed at the hands of law enforcement uh, through a chokehold, 
wouldn't show up in the Washington Post database, but it would um, in ours. Neither would um, the and killing so, of George Floyd, I imagine. Correct. Yeah. Uh, since there was no discharge of the firearm that resulted into it. Um, and so we, we tried to, you know, broaden, um, as, as you mentioned, uh, we have a, usually a longer lag period to allow for more accurate information to filter in and make sure that we honor uh, the victims of police violence properly. Um, and so hopefully in the in the coming months, we'll be able to provide a more accurate number on the 2022 numbers. But what we can say is that it is much higher um, to 2021. So we're seeing police violence, fatal police violence, whether it's via firearm or not, go up. And all of this is coming at a time when there's heightened awareness of police violence, particularly since the 2020 racial justice uprisings, where you know, there was this huge national discourse around police violence. Do these numbers surprise you? That, that instead of going down because there's more public awareness and we might imagine police might be maybe acting more carefully, we're seeing these numbers go up. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a really, you know, a lot of researchers will always say, right, academics, that, you know, we want to know exactly what's causing it and we need some time to study it. But it is surprising. Um, I think um, in some ways, I think what, isn't clear, and I think in the coming months, as we look back on the data, what's going to be more interesting is I don't think um, this is the case across the board. You know, um, you know, we think for sure police violence has gone up in the country. What's going to be interesting to look at and examine is what cities have had significant increases and which cities have been able to sustain decreases um, and no violence. Um, I think in terms of 2022 and your question around you know post racial uprisings. Um, and calls for defunding and transformational change, I think the difficulty is, you know, in 2022, um, you know, funding actually continued to increase across U.S. cities and to law enforcement agencies. Um, and so I think what, you know, might be the media narrative actually doesn't match up to what's going on. Um, and, um, you know, this is also amidst, you know, 2021, 2022, having surges in gun violence also, right? And so I think, um, you know, we need to Think about the whole context and what's going on. Um, and so I think in the coming months, it's going to be critical that researchers examine what's going on in cities and also that it might not be a single story, right? It might be that uh, it's actually gotten better in some places and much worse in others. So funding has gone up. Um, this is quite remarkable. You know, we, there was a lot of discussion around um, crime, violent crime during the lead up to the midterm elections last year. A lot of it, you can imagine, sort of coded language around race. But what, what does the data that mapping police violence has found around race? Um, I mentioned that black people were nearly three times more likely to be killed um, at the hands of police than whites. Can you dig into the data for us around breakdown by race? And why is that so important? Sure. Yeah. And, and I'm just going to reference um, the Washington Post number since those numbers they validated as complete for the year. Um, and so, you know, in the way that, you know, and, and I guess to your first question, why is racial disparities important to examine um, due to historical disinvestment and how the U.S. state has used um, punitive and carceral responses to social resp problems, specifically to black and brown communities? It's important to understand this outcome data um, and what it shows. So 
Um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, black people and on average, when we're looking at data across the years are more than three times more likely right to be victims of police violence. Um, and of course, when we look at just front end police data, right, they're more likely to be stopped in traffic stops. Um, right, when you're thinking about stop and frisk in New York City, right, significantly more higher. Some interactions with black and brown populations are at a much higher rate um, than uh, white counterparts. Um, when it comes to the year 2022, the Washington Post again reported, uh, and, and also for the data we have uh, to date for mapping police violence, that black people are more likely to be killed. Um, I believe in total, uh, it looks like 18, 18 almost 1,900 uh, black people have been killed for their data for the total amount they have. Um, and compared to, and, and what's how they do this is they do, black people are 5.9 per million per year is like the way that they've sort of um, sort of rendered the, the significance. Um, so higher rate of police killings. So per capita numbers are important, right? When we're talking about this, because um, you you have to examine the percentage population. Um, and so in spite of the fact that black folks are a minority in the United States, so the percentage of the population is significantly smaller than whites, they're actually more likely to be killed by police? Correct. Yeah. And so, you know, just and of course, we have to it's important to look at it, um, you know, by state, by city, um, which very significantly it gets noisy, right? When we look at aggregate numbers. Um, so in some parts of the U.S., it's the significantly US worse. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we you know, we, a lot of people, you know, we talk about the police state. And really, one thing I always tell people is, you know, the the in the US, it's really we need to treat it as 18,000 plus law enforcement agencies that are very different, that have their own policies, that have their own discretion. Um, and so it's important to really like dig down. Um, and it's really that's one of the reasons we also try to push for more granular level data um, is to understand what it is um, that could potentially lead to reductions in police violence. And so if you, you're, you're uh, at least when, when people go to the website for mapping police violence, you can see the breakdown of the data state by state, right? So for example, uh, overall nationwide, I understand that um, if I look at the data, uh, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander um, Americans are actually most likely to be killed of all racial groups per, uh, by cops. But if you say, look at California, the number flips, black folks are much more likely than um, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islanders um, to be killed, 110 killings per 1 million people. Um, and this is from 2013 to 2022. So, so that state level data is available. But uh, is, is it also, can you also find a breakdown by city? Because police forces are generally city level departments. Yes, yeah. Um, and to your point, um, you know, we always, we actually reached out to a few um, data groups that um, ha uh, that really focus on representation across different groups. And so we did reach out to uh, Native Hawaiian and Asian American um, data groups to properly, uh, to make sure that we're accurately capturing the data, whether it should be grouped together or not. So to your point, if you went to the state of Hawaii, you'll see that it's significant um right because um that's where i, I would say like majority more i, I think like 90 percent of them are um but as you go to by state by state you'll see a very different story um and nationwide again um and so that's just the one caveat i provide there 
Um, to your question um, around um, how, agency level, uh, so we have like a few different um, dashboards that we like release through different ways um, that look at agency levels. Um, and so one of the things that we're going to be doing in 2023 um, with a, a redesign of mapping police violence is that individuals will be able, users will be able to break down by agency. Um, I mean, right now, how you could do it is you could download the data and load it up and you'll be able to stratify it by agency. But as it stands right now, um, you would have to use some of like our different types of dashboards that we've developed through Tableau. Now, when we look at the breakdown of um, the data with respect to uh, police violence, does that include sheriffs? Uh, does it include federal law enforcement agents? Uh, because, you know, there are so many layers of, of law enforcement. The majority, I imagine, are the city level police departments, but there are county um, law enforcement and, of course, federal as well. No, that's correct. Um, so when it comes to um, our database, we include every law enforcement member with the you know, so any on duty law enforcement. So this includes sheriffs, this would include police, they would include federal as well. Um, and of course, there's some other like unique cases in some states where there are other types of um, law enforcement beyond sheriff and police, like in the state of Texas, for example, they also have constables, right? And so, um, but ours captures the range. Uh, we don't collect corrections officers. So in custody, this is something we hope to expand on in future years. Um, but the the differences, and, and if you could remind me the exact question, because I definitely went on a tangent. What was the, the exact question? Just whether you include the federal officers as well and the, yes. the county sheriffs and deputies. Yes, yeah, we, we do. And, and it's important that we look at the, the differences between them as well, because the, the roles and responsibilities are different. Now, what do you hope this data is most useful for? Um, of course, grassroots organizers who are combating police violence can use it to point out that in spite of media claims that police are being defunded, uh, they're not, and they're killing more people. But what, what about actual policy level changes? Are you seeing this data being used by city officials? It seems as though, even though there was this moment in the summer of 2020 when everybody was agreeing, oh gosh, yes, Black Lives Matter, we need to examine police violence, that that conversation, you know, there was a lot of backtracking, if you will. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it seems as though police are once more untouchable. They're the, the, the fact that they are, they're given the benefit of the doubt, they're trusted, you know, they're, they're funded. All of that seems to have been largely reversed in spite of this data. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I think in terms of uh, what we hope, you know, you know, one, we collect this data as, a, as like a public service, right? Because the federal government doesn't properly report out on it. Um, and a big part is obviously making sure that local organizers and activists have the tools they need to bring up and raise these conversations with um, lo local electeds, policymakers, uh, law enforcement agencies. But part of it also is to support our own work internally. You know, we, we run several different campaigns at Campaign Zero, um, and we, whether it's, for example, we, beyond Map and Police Violence, which is a database, we have 
a can't wait, which was focused on you know reducing use of force policies uh, and reducing police discretion. So making sure that use of force policies are more comprehensive. We have uh, end all no knocks, which bans the use of no knock raids, um, which is uh, most, the most notable case was Breonna Taylor. Uh, and so we have a number of these campaigns, and this data helps us understand uh, potential impact, but also areas that we just haven't looked at or thought about um, that we need to give more attention to. Um, so it powers a lot of that as well. Um, and to part of your question is, you know, we, we've seen policymakers. I know, I think the mayor of Oakland, you know, uh, who's the outgoing mayor, you know, in her in her report, um, talking about the work that she's done has like cited you know, mapping police violence and, and how they, you know, have used it over the years in different campaigns zero work. Um, so, you know, we do see electeds using it, um, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, we would love to see um, better data collection generally. And so we hope that, um, you know, we think this is a shared collaborative project with, with the public. So we're always open to being corrected, being told that there's missing data, that this data is wrong. Um, it's why we it's important for us like that we talk to other databases, whether it's the Washington Post or Fatal Encounters about this work. Um, and so that's just the, the right. sort of general. And of course, for journalists like me, this is very useful in contextualizing individual stories when there are individual stories of fatal police violence, which there are all the time, putting it into a broader context of um, city, state level, or of course, national level numbers is extremely useful. Um, give out the, the best website where people can dig into the data themselves, um, Abdul. Sure, it's uh, campaign zero. Uh, so campaignzero.org is our main website, but for the Mapping Police Violence platform, you can get it from there or mappingpoliceviolence.org. And we'll post a link to that as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. My guest has been Abdul Nasser Rad, Managing Director of Research and Data at Campaign Zero. We've been talking about fatal police violence in the year 2022. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.